Welcome to the Sports Epreneur Podcast, the podcast where sports and entrepreneurship collide, a Casource family production. In this episode, we discuss the Major League Baseball journey, the Seattle Mariners, and youth baseball. This podcast exists in large part because of CASCM, the content marketing business inside Casource Inc. So what does CASCM do? You know how many business leaders need help communicating their story? Well, that's what we do content creation and distribution for business leaders. This provides opportunities, relationships, and a platform for you and your business. Why do we do this? Because at CADCM, we exist to help business leaders build a meaningful legacy that is worth living and leaving. Learn more by visiting cadcm.com. Today, we speak with Tom Murphy, catcher for the Seattle Mariners. Last season, Tom played for the Colorado Rockies. Before his time in professional baseball, Tom played collegiate ball at the University of Buffalo. Tom shares stories from his time playing Little League Baseball in upstate New York to becoming a major leaguer to moving this past offseason from the Rockies to the Giants to the Mariners. We always talk about finding the positive, and Tom showcases his positive mindset in this conversation. And as you will hear from Tom, it's born from hard work and great effort. Let's not wait any longer. We welcome Seattle Mariner Tom Murphy. Major League Baseball is starting, and before the season, a little bit before the season, you're in spring training with the Colorado Rockies, and you know, really, you know, trying to make your move. I know you had come back from an injury in, in a prior, prior year with your forearm, if I believe. Um, but right before the season starts, and you can, you know, fill in the what I miss. Um, you end up on the San Francisco Giants, and then the Giants trade you to the Seattle, Seattle Mariners. So you go from being a Rocky to a Giant, so from from Denver, Colorado, San Francisco, and now you're in Seattle. Um, a lot of people think about sports and they think about all the accolades and all the great stuff that comes with it, um, but they don't think about how the impact this has on players, individuals, and most of all, families. Um, what was this like for you and your family as you go from three different cities on the West Coast, being from, you know, middle of New York? Yeah, it was an uh, interesting experience and kind of my first time going through anything like that in my career. Um, at the, towards the end of spring training, the Rockies told me that they uh, were planning on waiving me, which meant that I was going through a 72-hour process of just kind of being in limbo, waiting for hopefully an opportunity with a new team. Um, at the end of that 72 hours, uh, I was contacted by the Giants almost immediately and, and said that, hey, uh, we're going to pick you up. Uh, can you get on a plane here in about two, two and a half hours? <laughs> so uh, I was in Scottsdale at the time. And fortunately, my family was with me during spring training. So I have a wife and two kids. Um, they were down here and, you know, playing, kind of playing the game with me and, and supporting me along the way. Uh, so I, I literally was at the at the Rockies complex, just kind of getting in a day of training in my own and got that call and, and realized that I needed to get going. So I, I had my wife back my bags for me while I was at the field packing things up and ran home and, and got on a plane right to San Francisco and uh, spent two days there during the exhibition series with the ace and then at the end of the two days they were making the final roster cuts for the regular season and uh, you know Bochi and uh, Zadie called me into the office right at the end of the game and told me they were, they were going to send me through uh, and they were going to DFA me so it was a little bit different process um, basically DFA meant that they had five days to work out a trade. Um, and then if that didn't happen, I'd go through the waiver process again. Um, so they actually flew me back to the Scottsdale that next night or next day. I kind of spent the day in Scottsdale. And then that night after getting back in, uh, I got a call from the Mariners saying that, uh, that I was going to be traded to them and that, you know, I was going to get an opportunity to play with them. So, you know, in the course of four or five days, I went from, Scottsdale to San Francisco, back to Scottsdale, then all the way up to Seattle, playing the Red Sox the, the next day. Wow. So did you have yeah. did you have a place in Colorado, anywhere in Denver at all, or Albuquerque? I know you had gone back and forth between those two places the year prior. Uh, no, we we've always rented wherever we uh, we live at, during the season, just yep. because we own a house uh, back in my hometown. So. Okay. Uh, we can't really you know, afford to settle down anywhere, but we can you know, yep. find a place to rent and live for the six months of the season. What's it like? I mean, this is like 
it, it's a, it's insane because like you just said, you, there's all these different ways of, of going about or a team acquires you or waves you and then you get picked up. And then like the Mariners are actually the one that call you up to say, hey, you're, you're, you're part of the Mariners organization now. It's not the Giants letting you know that you've been, you know, dealt. Um, but you're going home and you're kind of having conversations like where could we end up next? Uh, you're talking possibly to your agent. I mean, did you have any idea or is it really just like that call out of the blue? Yeah, you know, basically what happens at that point, um, the agent and I kind of get together and realize um, what teams are in need more so than anything. So you, know, you can kind of narrow it down between, you know, five to 10 teams, say, that could possibly need a young catcher that uh, doesn't have any experience with their staff that they're willing to give a shot with. Uh, so we kind of had a realistic view of, of some of the teams that may have an opportunity to pick me up um, in that process. And, you know, the Mariners were one of those teams, thankfully. And, uh, yeah, so you, you kind of have an idea and you hope, um, but there's nothing concrete for sure. Yeah, there's no guarantees. And, and your wife all along is, like you said, she helped you pack your bag, sent you on your way. She's dealing with the kids as you're off to San Francisco, playing a couple days and then finding and then coming back. So she's having to deal with this too, um, you know, as, as with the family. Um, it's, it's a lot on the family, but I would imagine the life of a ball player and the family uh, of a ball player is – is understanding of the dynamics that are in play with this. And, you know, you've kind of agreed, like, this is this is the life you have for now. And this is, you know, in many ways, it's probably rather exciting to be going to all these new places, but at the same time, very stressful before you end up in a place. Is, is that how she sees it? Yeah, luckily, I mean, she is a very uh, go-with-the-flow type person. And without her attitude and support along this, I mean, it would be so much more stressful on me because I can tell you it's easy getting on a plane and, and flying to your next city, but it's hard packing up your life and, and getting a new haul and driving to the next, next spot with two kids and, and trying to do all that all on your own. And, you know, she deserves a, a ton of credit because that's, that's not easy on anyone. And, uh, you know, like I said, without her, kind of taking the wheel and taking that responsibility upon herself that it would not be very uh, enjoyable or stress, you know, stressless process for me. Um, so she, she does a fantastic job of taking that away from my life and kind of putting it upon herself and, and doing that. And yeah. like I said, it's just like, it, it couldn't help me anymore in my career and, and help me just kind of focus on baseball at the time. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I mean, uh, it just it, we talk about in entrepreneurship and just you know running a business or, or an athlete. I mean, there's so there's a lot of parallels because there's you know a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes that no one sees, and one of those things could be the spouse, a significant other, someone close to you that is helping push you along, be that positive influence. You know, call you out when you need to get called out, help you wake up when you need to get wake, woken up at whatever that means, right? But um, it's awesome to have people like that in your life, no doubt. And obviously, she's been a rock for you and in, in going through all this. So you end up in Seattle. Uh, I've been reading some articles and, and hearing some stories about how you come in. Like you said, you're trying to figure out who the pitching staff is because you're just not, you're playing catcher. So you need to understand all the different pitchers that are going to come in and, and watch their tape, get to know them, get to know their tendencies, what they like, what they don't like. But, but you hadn't had all spring training with them, which becomes a problem. Uh, how are you able to come in? Because it, it sounds to me like you have an incredible work ethic and you show up and they're just blown away by, wow, this Tom's really getting after it out there. He's practicing. He's spending more time. He's watching the film. You know, is it work ethic? What is it that allows you to show up and become a contributor day one for an organization uh, as a catcher uh, because of all the different things I just said before? Yeah, I think you can point to work ethic, but I think it's something uh... – that comes before that. And that's really just kind of the, uh, I don't want to say fear, but it's almost a fear of not performing up to my standard. Um, so that kind of drives me in a way that makes me realize how much work it takes to, to succeed at this level and to be who I, I believe I can be out on the field. And in doing that, like you're talking about with catching, um, you know, there's a responsibility on my end offensively, but there's a much greater responsibility defensively. Um, and that is knowing my pitchers, knowing what they do, um, getting to know them both professionally and uh, um, uh, personally off the field so that our connection is much stronger when we're out on the field. And the only way to do that is through repetition. So anytime those guys are touching or throwing a baseball, I am trying to be with them. Um, and 
that's going to continue throughout the season because things change as, as everybody knows in sports, uh, how you're feeling day to day, uh, how you're feeling month to month, what you're trying to do to certain hitters, what you're trying to do to certain teams. So that knowledge and that relationship with my pitchers is, is foremost in my career for sure. So I don't want to take any sort of, uh, you know, secondary route, you know, just kind of sitting back or, or being passive in my career. I, I want to take it, you know, head on. And that is, like I said, getting with those pitchers any opportunity I can and also watching film, you know, whenever I can and, and taking in as much information about them as possible and using it to my advantage. Yeah, so you, so you get to Seattle, you do all, all of this, and, and clearly it it makes a difference, it makes an impact, but you're still dealing... It, it sounds to me, though, like you just moved past it, right? So you had the situation in the preseason, you get to where you are, and you're just the move-forward guy. There's no sense in looking back as to where you were last year, where you were the year before, um, except for drawing on any experiences you have and not feeling sorry for yourself and actually being happy and grateful probably for where you are, an incredible organization, incredible city, right? And now you're here with the Mariners, um, and you have to just kind of take that and move forward. So spending the time, it, it kind of gets you off of thinking negatively about anything else. But the combination of that and then the season starts, and here we are a few weeks into the season, and you're having a great start to the season. I mean, just yesterday alone, uh, I, know you, I know you guys lost to the Angels, but you personally had a good day uh, at bat, you know, especially in the ninth inning. Saw you had, a, I believe, a two-run home run. Uh, we're two for four on the day, uh, batting 429, I believe, on the season. Um, with all of the stuff that went on before, and there's a lot of talk about the mental side of sports. And I'm sure, obviously, baseball is one of those one of the biggest sports. I mean, you can get up to the plate and be like, I have no idea what I'm doing anymore. It's a lot like golf. It's like every time I swing, I feel like I'm going to miss, right? So how are you able to overcome that? Have you been practicing, you know, getting your mind right for a season? Um, because you just like you just said, there are... There are no guarantees with any of this stuff. You could be on a different team again tomorrow. You just don't know. But having to put that aside and having a strong, callous mind to then move forward, I mean, how are you been, How have you been able to start the season so strongly uh, as an individual player? Yeah, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head with the, uh, the mental side of all this. Um, you know, it, on the outside, it may seem like it's all uh, glam, but you know, there is times throughout this whole process where you get down upon yourself and, and realize that this, you know, maybe at the end of your career, you know, maybe you're not going to play in the big leagues this year. Um, so it takes a lot of overcoming and a lot of, a, you know, unyielding type of attitude. Uh, but that also comes from my support system too, between my wife and parents and everybody else that, that truly believes in what I can do. And, and really the Mariners as well. They, you know, they were very upfront with, uh, their feelings about me and, and how they wanted me to come in and, and just be myself. Um, but really it was kind of having that, that mental ability to overcome what's in the past is in the past. And, and that's as hard as it, it gets in this game because in these 162 games are, are relentless. They're day after day. Um, and if you kind of dwell in what's already happened or, you know, failed opportunities or missed opportunities, uh, that's, that's just something that can eat you alive. Um, it's something, you know, I, I've really worked hard at in the past year and a half year, uh, just trying to, like you said, callous my mind, um, let it overcome any, any obstacles that may stand in my way and be progressive and forward moving, uh, and playing to a standard that I know that I can play up to. And, um, obviously the physical results are, are always great, but they're often, uh, stem from a, a mental side that is much greater. Does this all come from, I mean, obviously you, like we talked about before, you go through these different experiences and you get stronger and you get better at these things and you deal with stuff and it's a roller coaster ride. It's up and down and all this stuff. But like, does this go way back to when you're a kid up in upstate New York and, and you mentioned your parents, obviously talk about your wife, but going even further back than that. I mean, does this go back to those times and is, is there a certain thing that you can draw on from, from watching or experiencing as a kid that got to this point? Because I hear a, you know, uh, a young baseball player who's who's got an incredible mind uh, and work ethic for the sport, and you don't hear it all the time. And it's impressive, and it's it's exciting to to watch that. And I think just it doesn't matter if you play baseball or a different sport or don't play sports at all, or just in business that people just deal with stuff. and And how do you overcome it? You know, you have no control over certain aspects of of your job of whatever's going to happen next. Like what? 
where do you go back with this that perhaps that was the beginning point of moving ahead and being the guy that you are now? Yeah, I think you can stem that all the way back to uh, just my, my parents, you know, and how, how I was raised. Uh, my dad, um, you know, when we were, when I was first born, worked at, uh, worked as an auto repairman for, uh, the Midas company. And, uh, you know, he had some things happen in his life that made him realize that there's maybe something bigger and greater out there for him. Um, so he took the leap of faith and started his own, his own business as a, uh, auto repairman and opened his own shop and, uh, you know, kind of sacrificed everything in his life up to that point to put everything in that one pot. And, uh, watching him work as hard as he did to do what he, you know, accomplished and, and my mother as well, sacrificing, you know, everything they had at that point to, to put it all into the shop. Um, and then just watching him and work relentlessly to achieve all of his goals, you know, even, even to today, um, you know, 20 plus years of, of owning the business, he doesn't stop. You know, and, and both my parents don't, and they continue to be more and more successful in their, in their business and their personal lives. And, you know, I don't think there's any doubt in my mind that that's exactly where, you know, the relentlessness and the, the mental toughness kind of comes from and the, the willing to, to put in the work. Um, you know, like I said, my parents are, are the prime examples of that. And there's no doubt in my mind that that's where it comes from. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And, and typically we see that, you know, when we talk about whether it's an athlete or an entrepreneur, that there's something in their past um, and it, it's different for everybody. A lot of times it is their family, their parents, and they were running a business, they were working hard and, and had this pursuit mindset um, that, that existed for them as well. And that's what, and that's what you have going on. So it must've been exciting for you or for your family that when you were in, I believe West Monroe, like North of Syracuse, that you end up at the university of Buffalo to play college baseball. I would imagine they'd gotten some opportunities to see you play, uh, when you were in Buffalo and take me back to that time in your life, because, um, you had a great career at Buffalo Mac player of the year in 2011 record holder for, um, many different statistics and just had a great run and became a third round draft pick in, in major league base in the major league baseball draft. But taking back to your time of playing for, uh, the university of Buffalo, uh, bulls, um, and having your family, you know, but I guess probably three hours away, right? Yeah, we were about three and a half hours away. Okay. So yeah. when you, when you decided like when you're in high school and you're making that decision to go, um, what drew you to Buffalo? Yeah, so I think the biggest draw to Buffalo was the opportunity to play right away as a freshman. Um, you know, I kind of saw an opportunity uh, at the Division One level to kind of come in and get my feet wet right away and play, you know, 30-plus games my first year, which, you know, looking at some of the other opportunities I had, there was there was no guarantees. Um, and even some were, you know, to the borderline, like you won't be playing until sophomore year. Uh, and at the time, you know, coming from the small town, small area that I did come from, uh, the major leagues weren't exactly on my mind. I know I wanted to be a really good baseball player, but I was also pretty present at that point in the fact that I knew I wanted to be a good baseball player at the collegiate level. Um, so my mind was wrapped around getting in and playing right away and seizing whatever opportunity I could at the university that would allow me to do that. And Buffalo fit that mold um, exactly. So, uh, you know, some people always ask if I had opportunities to go to kind of bigger universities and, and there were some opportunities and wasn't anything crazy. Um, but I, I always saw Buffalo as the opportunity for myself to go out and play. And that, that was all that was on my mind at that time. Yeah. No, it makes sense. And you, and you had, like I said before, you had success in 2011, um, have a great year, become player of the year. Is that, is there a point in time at that? Cause you're thinking, I want to be a really good baseball player. Well, now clearly you've made that right. You've reached that level of you are really good. Do, do people start taking notice? Do you start hearing things to say, you know, cause what is it? Three years, right? Once you've gone to college, you can go out, you can go pro in three years. Um, did you start hearing rumblings and hearing things, talking to people to say, Hey, we might want to take a look at you. How does that work? Yeah. So the process for me, to becoming a draft eligible baseball player, I would say took probably about two, two full years for people to notice. Uh, coming into my freshman year, I, I had some good physical tools, size and stuff, um, but it was still very raw in terms of, of mechanics, both offensively and defensively. So, but you know, our freshman class was full of players that was built ex exactly like me, very hardworking, very, um, you know, dedicated to the craft 
and we we just took off with the university and the opportunities that we had there, um, both you know in the weight room and on the field. We developed ourselves into you know the best baseball players we could our freshman year, and that development never stopped. And you know going into summer ball freshman year, we were still working on things, and uh, coming back into my sophomore year, you know I I, I guess that that thirst to want more out of myself kind of really came on and um you know the coaching staff at buffalo you know they were they were just as great and uh my heading coach and i really hit it off jim kerner is his name who's now the head coach at uh, north carolina central university and has done a great job with that program but he kind of took me to the next level offensively um you know we would spend two three hours just just talking about hitting in his office and going over video and trying to find something that would help click to take me to that next level where I could take my physical tools and actually make them into skill on the field. And uh, I, I remember very distinctly going into my sophomore season, uh, a day in the cage where, you know, Coach Kerner would told me, he's like, I literally have nothing to say to you right now. And he is of the same, very same mindset as me. He's very perfectionist, is, is looking for every detail. And that day, you know, everything just kind of came together. And I realized, you know, kind of looking back, that it was it was about a year and a half of continuous development that it took for me to get to that day. You know, it wasn't just, oh, something clicked. It was all the, those reps added up together that really took me to that level. And, you know, I was able to retain that feeling and go out and have a great sophomore season. And... You know, going into college summer ball that year, I, I was able to play in the Northeast League. Um, you know, I had some offers at the end of my sophomore year to actually go and play in the Cape, uh, but the team that I had signed with wasn't willing to release me at the time. So I, you know, was able to go play in the NHL and uh, really kind of the breaking point where I realized that this is it, you know, that I, I have a chance uh, was against an exhibition game against uh, Team USA uh, where we were kind of like the NECB all-star team and uh, we were going to go to uh, Fenway and play uh, Team USA in an exhibition game. Well, I ended up hitting a, a home run off Kevin Gossman, who was on the team at that time. And uh, after the game, you know, I, I'd heard from some scouts that, you know, who is this kid? You know, who is this guy that, you know, showed you know, some good pop, uh, looked like a good catcher behind play, good arm stuff. And, What's funny is that I, I was just coming off a season in which I won player of the year in my conference and still the scouts didn't really know who I was until that moment, that opportunity. Yeah. So that opportunity, that swing kind of changed my career, changed my perspective on things and who I could be as a baseball player. And I uh, just kind of took off from there. Yeah. It's like they talk about, it's like, it's that one swing that made all the difference, but it wasn't just the one swing. It was everything that led up to that one swing is what, it, well, you know, people talk about, oh, he's an overnight success. Yeah, he's overnight success many years in the making. We take that probably back to Little League, right? And playing other sports or playing in the backyard, it, it finally did happen for you. But so much, so much work led up to that. So then you get to that point and now all of a sudden you start hearing it and there's it's a lot of pressure right and you're dealing with a lot of things so your next at bat you have to almost validate it right you you have to continue to show showcase what you're all about and and, be, and still be a good teammate and do all those different things um it sounds like to me no different than when you show up to the mariners organization you just get back to work so you're not really getting caught up am i right in the in those things so you hear it be like oh wow i'm gonna be a baseball player you call your mom and dad you're all excited and then all of a sudden then you don't hit a ball for the next couple of weeks like is that right is that how you went, went about it yeah exactly you know and um after that moment happened, I got a call a couple of days later from Team USA, and they asked me to come play for them in the Japan Series, um, which we were home for. So I obviously took that opportunity right away. And, you know, like you're talking about, it was the same same type of mentality. I went there with an open mind and uh, willingness to, to do everything I could to take advantage of the opportunity. And, uh, you know, that's, that's how I kind of have always viewed things. And, um, you know, I know it's the, it's the hard work and repetition that kind of takes me to the next level and being very grounded it sounds like too right i mean it's just throughout it all it's a roller coaster ride like a lot of different things are but you're never getting too high you're never getting too low and you can kind of stay in there and uh you can hear it just even the way you talk and express yourself and tell these stories that it's it's not too high it's not too low and you can stay where you need to stay to be 
successful for whatever it is that you're working on that day. Um, going back, well, let me actually start here. So that happened. So the Pan American Games happened. The series, the Pan American series, the, right? Is that what it was? Or was that just the Japan series at this point? This is just the Japan series at this point. Yeah. Okay. So then after that, when is the draft compared to that? How far uh, after? So that was the... That was the end of my uh, sophomore summer. Okay. So the draft was at the end of my junior at the end spring. Of junior. Okay. Yeah. So you go back. So then you're back at UB, right? You have your third season there with UB your junior year. And then the draft happens that spring. Um, and what was that? Like, did you have an inkling as to like what was going to happen that you would go in the third round or you just didn't know how, how what was that dealing, dealing with that? Yeah, so that was kind of like the first time in my life where I had um, some expectations that were uh, higher than what I was used to. I'll put it that way. And, um, you know, I, my junior year was kind of a, I wouldn't say a struggle, but it was a uh, a lot of opportunities for me to grow mentally. Um, you know, I, I started having scouts at every game, uh, something I wasn't used to. You know, at Buffalo, we got like probably 10 fans at every game. So, it's a little different atmosphere once you're kind of going in out there and realizing that there's a bunch of people there to watch you. And kind of the first time in my life was, was that, you know, other than the, the college, uh, high school, you know, kind of relationship and, and having scouts come see you and schools come see you. But, you know, I, I put a lot of pressure on myself that year to perform, um, up to a standard that was, you know, where, where I thought I was capable of. I didn't have as good as a good of a year as I, I thought I should have had, uh, especially coming off the year I had my sophomore year. But uh, you know that fall going into my junior or that junior year fall uh, was when teams really started kind of letting me know what they what they thought of me and where they could see me going. And um, yeah, you know, I went right in those those kind of projections in the third round there. Um, like I said, I I, I could have performed better in. Actually went higher than I did, but uh, you know, like I said, that was a, a great opportunity for me to grow uh, mentally and prepare myself for the next level for sure. Well, I think it's cool that you right, right you have your player of the year year and all the things happen in that off season. You come back and you don't have is the year that you want to have, but then you see it as a positive. So it sounds like almost that year got you ready for the next level to deal with the ups and downs that you knew were going to, you were going to come across uh, frustrated in the moment, no doubt, but you find the positive in that. And I think that's important to see that the, you know, like the book that Ryan Holiday wrote, the obstacle is the way like you ran into these troubles. Like you can let that define you and, and, and go sideways and go backwards and like all for naught. And said, you saw the positive in that. Um, Going back a little bit because it's big, and I'm sure you hear about it a lot. Youth sports today and playing baseball. If I were to guess, if I were to understand it correctly, I doubt you had a ton of pressure on you from your family to become this 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 professional baseball player because the odds are so against you to ever even play major league baseball, to even play professional baseball. Um, there's a lot of pressure today on kids uh, to continue to play to practice to overtrain to just become to become that next player did you have that pressure growing up today uh going growing up when you did yeah so i i often tell people that the you know the the greatest asset in my whole career was the fact that my parents never played collegiate athletics or professional athletics or you know they they played a little bit when they were younger but it was never their their goal their dream and I, I view that as the, the absolute biggest positive, you know, positive impact in my childhood because it allowed me to just kind of develop without any pressure athletically and, and just be as free as I could be. You know, I, I we played in a local little league team that, you know, I think most people would absolutely laugh at if they saw the conditions that we played in. And uh, but we didn't know any different. We're a small hometown. We were super competitive because we were all friends and we knew each other and we wanted to beat each other. And our friendship was was huge, and, and I enjoyed that league more than I could ever imagine playing on a travel ball team like, you know, uh, it seems like a lot of younger kids are doing nowadays. And, and my first travel ball experience wasn't until I was 17 years old, you know, 16, 17 years old. So I was allowed to, as a child, go out and play as free as I could without any mechanical thoughts, without any thoughts of college, without, without any thoughts of, you know, you need to perform, without any pressure. And like I said, that, that freedom and that ability to just enjoy myself, you know, really fueled my passion for the game. 
you know, it was never forced upon me. Uh, I was never, you know, I didn't have to go to these tournaments. I, you know, that wasn't available, you know, so really it was just the only thing my parents ever instilled in me and wanted to see from me on the field was effort. Um, so when you kind of look at that from that perspective, um, I really can't imagine playing baseball as a youth nowadays and, and having to travel the world just to play kids that are maybe 10 miles down the road from you. You know what I mean? Like that, it just doesn't make any sense to me because I grew up in such an opposite atmosphere. And I realized that that atmosphere allowed me to be who I am and, and you know, make my career what it is. Just basically off the fact that all my parents wanted to see out of me was it was effort and the passion was able to grow up my own. You know, it wasn't it wasn't ever that would serve you no matter what. If you never played baseball again, it would serve you in anything that you do, and it will continue to serve you now that you have played baseball. But it's crazy you say that you were 17 when you played your first travel ball. You're 28 now. It's 11 years. Yeah, yeah, I get it. 11 years is a long time, and it's you know you've totally different things going on in your world now. But 11 years is like when you truly started going out in, in, into that travel world of baseball. And 11 years later, here you are, you're playing for the Seattle Mariners. You played for the Colorado Rockies. You know, it's kind of nuts because the pressure, the travel that is on these kids today is crazy. The politics that are in the game today, the, uh, it's, it's amazing. I mean, I, my son does not play baseball. He played a lot of Little League growing up, and he had, he had a blast doing it. But I saw, I saw kids crying on the field. I've, I've coached it. I'm not a baseball expert, but I did my best and coached and helped out. Um, so much of it was based around winning and losing for U8 baseball. I'm like, wait a second. These kids care more about the snack. They care more just, be, like you said, singing songs on the bench and trying to hit a ball that's being thrown at them from this machine. They're like, how am I supposed to hit this thing? And, and it's just, it was amazing to watch like a kid who missed a, ball, missed a ball cry because he saw his father or parents or somebody looking at him from the sidelines like, you shouldn't do that. You know, um, and, and then you just, what was it for? What does it become? And it's not just baseball. You know, this is happening all over the place in sports. I don't know where you see, yeah, you hear about it, I'm sure, a lot um, just because you're part of the baseball community. Um, what do you think happens from here? Because I don't, I, th I think it's getting worse. I mean, I see it. My son plays soccer goalie now. There's an incredible amount of pressure for a soccer goalie, but I, I always check in with him. Are you having fun? Are you enjoying it? Because if you're not, you can do anything you want. Go play. Yes, just yesterday, we were playing baseball in the backyard. We had a blast. You know, we call it one-out baseball. And it's like me, my son, and my two daughters. And we're just, we're having so much fun doing it. And there's arguments because it's competitive and all that kind of stuff. But it's all for fun. And sometimes I think, like, sports gets away from that fun of it. And, yeah, it, it's going to become a business when you play for the Seattle Mariners and you get traded or, or you play for the Rockies and get traded. You know, whatever that is. But... Where do we go from here? Where do we go with you sports? Because, you know, people like yourself have these stories to share. And that's why I hope people can hear this, this podcast. And, and, and if they have kids to, to think through it all. Yeah. And um, it, it's interesting because to me, the answer does not lie in the children. I mean, that, that is the opposite of the answer that, uh, you know, I think kids have an innate ability to just go out and play and have fun when they're left alone. <coughs> Excuse me. So, to me, we have to look at the parents. Um, we have to look at their egos. We have to look at what they're in it for um, and and really dissect why parents feel the need to put that type of pressure on their children at that age when they know that the pressure of life will eventually become so great. And, and you know, like I said, the expectations will become higher as the time grows. But really, I just, I would implore parents to allow their children to play whatever they wish to play, you know, like... <laughs> if they wish to do gymnastics or soccer and, you know, or even art or music, you know, just be supportive. And that support and, and the dedication that you show to your children goes so much further than pressuring them to do something that you wish you could do, or you wish that, you know, that you had done when you were younger and these opportunities that you missed in your life and stuff. And, and really it's just about the ego of the parents and allowing that to subside and realizing that the bigger picture is so much greater than, than a local little ball or a little league team winning a, you know, a trophy or something like that. It's just, it's really troublesome to me because sometimes it seems very obvious what the answer is. Um, but at the same time, you realize that the, the opinion of the masses is kind of so skewed in, in the opposite direction. And there's actually pressure on the parents to feel like they are doing everything that they can for their children. And I think a lot of that stems from that as well. 
and the fact that they maybe feel like they need to give their children the best opportunity and, and that consumes them um, in a, at a time in their children's life where all they need is, is support and love and direction as opposed to any pressure. That's it. Yeah. And, and like you said, having them try hard. So whatever you're going to do, if it's going to be music or art and you're going to spend time doing it, work hard. And if it doesn't work exactly. out, that's okay. And, and it's, it's one thing for me to sit there and pontificate about youth sports and all that, because I've seen it and I've said, I have kids and, you know, and I think I have a vantage point, but then to hear it from you, Tom, and, and your experiences of playing little league and then playing travel ball and then college and then professional and major league baseball, it's like, it's a different angle. And yeah, you know, I don't talk to a lot of professional athletes or athletes that tried to play professionally or don't, you know, don't have regrets in regards to it all. But there's a very similar um, tone, and like you just said, it's it's so it seems so easy, right? It seems so easy, but yet it's so hard. And we're going in a direction that I think it's like we're getting so far to the one side of it that I don't know how we ever come back to it because the pressure is incredible. Um, and, 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 you know, and, and baseball players or professional athletes are put on these pedestals and they show up and kids can show up to the game. So I can watch, I could go to the game yesterday, right? I see you hit a home run and you're a catcher. And I'm like, that's what I want to do. And I want to show up and I'm going to go do that. And it's like, well, Tom had to do all these things to get to that point. It didn't just happen overnight. Like we talked about before. And I think a lot of times is we didn't, we don't get to see what's going on behind the scenes of it. Yeah. You can get glimpses into it. And I think it does exist in social media, but social media also goes the other direction to showcase, you know, how great this is. And, and uh, little Tom won the state championships and, you know, or he won this or he hit a home run during little league and people feel bad. And, you know, I think there's just so many different ways to look at it. Um, but there's so much that goes into how you got to where you are today. It's like we talked about that overnight success story. Yeah. 10 years in the making kind of thing. Um, takes a lot of effort. takes a lot of time. And I don't know what direction we go with it because people do have interests. They have unique interests and it doesn't have to even be sports. And and, I, and from what I gather, you have other interests as well. Um, coming from upstate New York, from Syracuse, uh, I get the, I understand that you are a big uh, hunter and fisher. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. That's my uh, other passions in life for sure. Do you get a Do you get time to do? I know 162 ba- game baseball se- uh, season doesn't uh, allow you much time off. I would imagine you need a nice off season, perhaps. But do you still have a chance to do that in the different locations that you've been? Yeah, so my off season is uh, pretty much all about training and hunting and, and family. Um, you know, luckily the season kind of aligns with the start of of whitetail deer season and black bear season where I live. So. Um, basically I, I go right from baseball season to hunting season and, and really enjoy my time outdoors. And, uh, it's a big family affair for me and, uh, my wife and my dad and my grandparents and uncles. And, and, you know, they just, uh, that's, that's what it becomes for me. And it's really one of the times of my life and, and seasons that I just truly enjoy the most for sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what it is, right? You got to get yourself off of, you know, a lot of people watch sports or whatever they might partake in and they become fans of a team. And a lot of that takes them away from what they do on a daily basis in the office and all those things. So they go to the game, uh, they're Mariners fans and they go to the to, to the ballpark and, and, and get to enjoy a game with their family and friends. And it's important. That's why we think sports are so important. There's so many different reasons as to why sports can be important. And that's one of them, right? It's sports matter in a way because they don't matter. There's so many things going on in the world today. Day and been going on forever um, but there's ways to take yourself out of that and go find another passion and that could be like making music drawing a picture playing soccer going out in the backyard and gardening or going hunting you know there's all these different things so I think that also probably helps keep you grounded as well it keeps your mindset fresh so you're not just like overly consumed with baseball because that you know you could probably squeeze that rose a little bit too tight and next thing you know you can't hit the ball <laughs> and you don't want that yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, I think you take a look at the same reason why uh, I enjoyed baseball so much is, you know, the same as why I enjoyed the outdoors so much. It was introduced to me at a young age. Uh, it was never pressured upon me. Uh, and I allowed, you know, and my parents really allowed me to to develop my own passion and uh, just kind of steered me in the right directions when I needed it. But and in the, in the, at the end of the day, I was, I was allowed that freedom to kind of do that and experience that part of the world too. Absolutely. So, baseball where it's at today i mean obviously it's considered america's pastime so much has changed football has become incredibly popular baseball major league baseball has done very well revenue wise making a lot of money 
Um, but things have changed, right? The branding aspects of baseball is not where some other sports are. Internationally, soccer is just enormous, and, and there's a long history there with that. Uh, that's why baseball did so well for so long. And, and But the sports changed. It can move slower for a lot of people. And, like, kids today might not sit around and watch a four-hour baseball game. You know, stadiums, I think going to a ballpark is one of the greatest things because you can go to the park, sit with your dad, your kid, a friend, or whoever, and have a conversation. It doesn't have to be every second of the game where you're just sitting there focused on what's going on. You have a hot dog, you have a beer, all the different things. Where do you see baseball today um, as far as much as you can talk about it? You know, where do you see baseball today? Where do you see it going? Uh, Major League Baseball, that is. Uh, I mean, do you see it in a good place? Do you have some concerns for the sport? Uh, where, where are you with that? Uh, you know, I see obviously both sides on and off the field of baseball. Um, I see before, like on the field or off the field, preparing for games being being much more rigorous than it probably has in the past. Uh, this is the part that people don't see from the you know watching a game or, or seeing a game on TV or anything like that. Is the amount of preparation that it takes to play in today's game uh, to to get right and prepare for your opponent uh, is is too the point where it's like basically uh, it's hard for me to envision even going beyond where we're at right now and how much information we get both offensively and defensively on what we're going to do against the opposing team so i think if fans were able to see that part of the game um, and see the type of stuff that and material that we get they would kind of understand why the game is the way it is in uh today's sense and you know I, i really don't have an opinion either way about whether it's good or bad uh it is what it is right now. And I just know that the players in today in today's game are, are better than they ever have been. Um, so really when, when you go to watch a game, I think you need to keep that into perspective and realize that the product that's out on the field right now is as good as it's ever been. And to really appreciate that no matter what length or time or, you know, how many uh, instant replays are going on during the game. At the end of the day, the best players in the world are on the field and, they're better than they ever have been. And that, that should be appreciated. And I, I think it is on, on the whole, you know, because, you know, people are doing things that they, they really have never done, you know, both uh, strategically and physically. And so, you know, I, I think that appreciation needs to be there. And I certainly appreciate that. Mind. No, that it's a, it makes a lot of sense um, because the talent, and, and, and I see this in a lot of sports, you know, with Tiger Woods, for example, coming back and winning the Masters. And a lot of people were talking about it before. It's, the sport's different. He took the sport to a different level, and this isn't about Tiger Woods necessarily, but it took it to another level. So now he comes back, and the players are just that much better today than they were 15 years ago. And it's going to be harder for him to win. That's why it was such an incredible feat, not only because of his age and his comeback and his injuries and all that, to come back, though, because the level of competition is at a different level, like you said. And so you take it to basketball, you take it to football, you take it to baseball, and maybe sometimes the level of talent is so good that you just can't, like as the average fan watching it, might not be able to get that appreciation, but it should be there. Um, and Because I agree with you. I mean, it's just, you don't understand what it's like probably. Uh, the average, It just looks so easy when a catcher just stands up and throws the ball to second base, like just right on a dime. And, you, and it's because you're so good at that. And, you know, or for them to beat your throw out to second base would be just almost incredible. And when you really get down to the pure aspect of it, that's why baseball is a very purest sport. Um, you know, like our my dad growing up, he was a huge Indians fan. And his grandparents, and I tell stories about my grandfather and grandmother, they're diehard Indians fan. My grandmother knew every Cleveland Indians baseball player, knew all the, you know, the nuances of what was going on in the game. It's a very purest sport in that. And I think it's been lost a little bit. Um, I would like to see Major League Baseball get more into it kind of. And you can't just tell someone that because they have to appreciate it themselves. But to give them the opportunity to showcase like PGA actually had that thing back in the day. Like these guys are good. And that's kind of what's going on here. Like you might strike out. That doesn't mean you're bad. It's just that's baseball. Um, These guys are good. Like these, You guys are really good at what you do. And uh, I, we had uh, Marcus Fizer, a former basketball player, played for the Chicago Bulls, played at Iowa State, had some injuries, whatever. But he said he showed up to a Chicago White Sox uh, spring training event or something that they were doing. I went to their ballpark, and he did some batting practice. And this is this guy's, you know, he was in the prime shape of his career. And he said they dialed that thing to 60 miles an hour. And he said his whole body hurt the next day because, you know, the <laughs> torque. And he's like, 
And here he is, this incredible athlete, and he couldn't even he couldn't swing without hurting himself. It's just to showcase to say, like, man, you guys are really good at what you do, and I think you're right. It's just that people need to hear more about that. And some I don't know how that's done or yeah. how that's branded, but I think that needs to get out there more because, like you're saying, it's it's incredible what you guys are able to do and what you put your bodies through and your minds, like you said, because of the analytics aspects of it too. Now it's there's so much going on that you have to deal with that. There's probably not a this is probably maybe like the one hour a little time with your kids here and there and you're probably eating and getting to the ballpark pretty soon yeah and you know you can kind of liken it to almost uh like architecture you know people see great architecture and they're amazed by the end product and they don't realize how much goes into that product beforehand you know and i i look at it the same way in is baseball is that the product that's on the field right now is truly amazing i mean the the ability and the, the physical talent, and, you know, the, the mentality of players today is, is beyond comprehension for probably most people. Um, but at the same time, I think if most people took a step back and realized how much has gone into that, not only day to day, but people's lives and careers and where they came from and stuff like that, it's, it's, it's remarkable. You know, everybody has a story um, and, and it's been no easy pass for anyone in this game. You know, it's, it's truly remarkable. People kind of, kind of go through and get to the, to this day, day to day grind that we have and, and realizing that it's not ever over, you know, that it's continuous work and continuous improvement. And, uh, uh, we actually have a great sign, uh, as a Mariners organization that's, that's in our clubhouse that, uh, refers to the Japanese term Kaizen, which is continuous daily improvement. And, and that's a truly what happens at our level. And, you know, these guys are not done improving or trying to improve and, and and be better baseball players every day. No, that's awesome. Um, it, it, it's like you're saying, it's stories like like yours, stories like this that can get put, put out there. And I think that that might hit somebody and say, I want to watch the Mariners play. I want to watch Tom play. And then you come across a different story that, and, and you hear other stories. Because, you know, so much of it, I get it. You know, the ESPNs of the world, are they want the Mike Trout stories. They want the Bryce Harper stories. They want the big names and the big... And I get it, right? And it's that's what sells. And they want clicks and they want, you know, they want viewers. And, and, and that's fine. Um, but I think there's so many athletes out there, like you were saying before, they're, they're so good at what they've done and they've come a long way and they have these incredible stories um, that I think need to be told. And that's why we want to talk to you and that's why we wanted to talk to you and have this conversation because it's fascinating and I'm, I'm fascinated by it and we deal with people uh on a daily basis that are fascinated by it and how can it end up in their feed or in their email or in their conversation to where now they can learn about that and and maybe they can apply some of the stuff that you're talking about to what they do or it just maybe makes them tune in to really appreciate something that that's not about them. You know, it's about something else. And I, and I think that's fascinating. And I think uh, your story's um, an incredible story. Uh, and it's a success story. And it's it's a lot of fun to pay attention to. I'm glad I was able to, you know, I was, like I said, I was uh, watching some games. It was late in the evening. And I think I was just kind of like closing down our house. The kids, my wife had just gone to bed. And I was just finishing up some stuff. And uh, turned on the game. And um, there you were. You're up to bat. And um, talks about University of Buffalo and, you know, reach out on Instagram and just say, hey, man, uh, would love to catch up someday. You know, and we had some back and forth and, you know, you know, a little bit later, a couple weeks later, we're on a podcast together telling this amazing story. And I think it's awesome. Um, I'm curious as, you know, you talk about we talk about athletes a lot. You know, the, the life of a professional athlete is it can be limited. Right. And you try not to think about it, probably. But I think you seem to be a realist and understand that you can't play baseball forever. Uh, maybe you can be a part of the game forever. I mean, I, you know, but you have other interests. Do you think do your teammates think or teammates that you've had in the past? Do you think about life after baseball? Yeah, so it's kind of funny how the mind works sometimes and then. You know, sort of the down periods in your career, the off season, or when things aren't going so well in baseball, your mind kind of seems to think about the future and where it's heading. Um, so in times of turmoil, I'd say that happens more than it does when things are going well, because when things are going well, obviously all I want to do is play baseball the rest of your life. Right. Enjoy that experience and that, and that emotional high. Um, but yeah, I think anybody, you take a look at even the most successful people in our sport, you know, they have endeavors that they're, pursuing themselves, you know, outside and off the baseball field. 
Uh, and I think it's great. I, I love learning about them uh, because it really speaks to the people and who they are and their interests and lives. And, um, and, you know, and it adds that human uh, element to people that we see as baseball players, in my opinion, um, which is, is such a – gives you much more perspective when you actually do play with them or play against them or, or see them on TV and you realize who that person is deep down at their core and the fact that they are a human as well, just taking taking advantage of the physical opportunities that they've been given, you know, and, and like I said, uh, I think it's great how, you know, people do pursue things off the field, whether it's community service or, um, you know, other interests and, you know, hobbies and that sort of thing and take them to the next level and, and have passions in that as well. Yeah. It's, um, it's happening more and more too. I think it's becoming okay. Uh, because, you can't over. You can only train so much. You can only play so much. And there's, like you said, there's a lot of downtime. Even maybe not, but but there, you can find it, right? I think anybody can find some downtime if they really think about it. Um, and, and basketball is a sport that I see that a lot with. You know, like the LeBron James of the world. And again, it's an extreme. And he's a superstar, and he can get to anybody he wants, and you know, get a part of any movie that he probably wants to. They can make one phone call. But it also, it, you can do it at different scales. You can do it at different levels to where you're almost building your after career while you're still playing, while you're doing these things. Yeah. Um, and I think there's opportunities now, and it's accepted now to do that. Um, it's, it's understood because others are doing it as well. And, and just it's important because you have an incredible uh, way, you have an incredible reach being a professional athlete, having fans, having these organizations where you know, if someone's a Mariners fan, they're going to follow you. They're going to pay attention to you. Someone's even a Rockies fan. They're going to pay attention to you. You have a, you have an, you have an ability to reach them that others would not have. And I think uh, there's, there's a lot of things you can do with that um, from a positive standpoint, you know, and just giving back and just spending an hour with us and talking on a podcast. I mean, it can go a long way. You never know. Um, and I think that's what you've probably practiced a lot is just continue to work hard, continue to play hard, do the right things and, and show up. And who knows what will what will take place from there. But if you do all those things, then like I've been told if you do the right thing, you can't be wrong. Um, and you continue to epitomize that and uh, really appreciate you spending the time sharing your story, sharing your thoughts and your days back in uh, upstate New York and University of Buffalo and the different major league baseball teams, the Rockies, and now here you are with the Mariners. So encourage anyone that's listening to this to definitely check you out. Uh, I think you have a day off this. We're recording this on a Monday. You have a day off today, but you'll be back at it. There's not many days off in major league baseball. <laughs> so um, no, it's not, but, uh, <laughs> you appreciate everyone. That's for sure. Yeah. But, um, Tom, thank you so much um, for spending some time with us. It's been awesome. I truly appreciate the opportunity, obviously, as well. And, uh, you know, thanks for all the great questions. And, yeah, anything you ever need, please let me know. It was incredible chatting with Tom about his life as a major leaguer. These stories from amazing people like Tom Murphy are what it's all about. We hope you enjoyed it. If you want to connect more, hit us up on Instagram at sportsepreneur. Thank you for listening to the Sports Epreneur Podcast, the podcast where sports and entrepreneurship collide. Now go get it.